Welcome to The Wealth Intersection with Megan Gorman. In this program, you'll hear fascinating stories from science, technology, finance, and the arts. Learn how dynamic individuals created their paths to success and the wealth intersections that occurred. It's where you might just find the answers on how you can pursue your passion while creating the necessary foundation to build personal wealth. And now, here is Megan Gorman. Hi, and welcome to The Wealth Intersection. I'm Megan Gorman, and I'm thrilled to have you here. So female entrepreneurship is a really big topic today. And in fact, in the United States, there are 12.3 million female-owned businesses, and they generate about $1.8 trillion in revenue on an annual basis. And what's really interesting about it is if we went back 20 years ago, there are 114% more female entrepreneurs today than there were 20 years ago. And that's pretty crazy. But in 2018, on a daily basis, women were starting 1,821 businesses. So these numbers are amazing. And today, I want to explore one of these businesses because this is one of the most exciting stories out there. And that's because I have with me today Kate Luzio, who is the founder and CEO of The Luminary. And Kate is a very well-experienced financial executive. She spent more than 20 years in financial services, including a role as EVP and global head of multinational corporate banking at HSBC, where she managed roughly $2 billion in revenue and in 55 countries. She also had previous roles at J.P. Morgan. And today, we're in New York City talking to her. So, Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here. And, you know, just for everybody, what is the luminary? Because we're sitting in it right now, and it's pretty amazing. So Luminary is a collaborative hub for professional women who are passionate about expanding their network and their professional development. And really, what does that mean? It's a community of women who want to invest in themselves, invest in others, and are looking to grow in their careers no matter what they're doing. If they're a banker, if they're an entrepreneur, if they're a teacher, really getting the quality tools to invest in themselves in order to advance themselves in whatever way they want to, right. at whatever level, in whatever industry, and whatever your background is. And we're sitting here on Broadway and 29th Street in New York City, and this is a pretty amazing facility. So sort of just walk us through what we're sitting in. I'm a little biased, but uh, <laughs> so we opened about 10 months ago, and we're 15,000 square feet of space here in Nomad, uh, which is pretty central in in. New York City, and we have a very large communal workspace. So everyone would call us a co-working space, and I don't. Um, Number one, there are hundreds and if not thousands of co-working spaces, specifically here in New York. Uh, I don't need to bring another co-working space. What I'm bringing is a community. So we have a very large communal workspace. We have a kitchen. We have free wine on tap, uh, (laughs) free coffee, uh, and dozens of meeting rooms and conference rooms so you can hold private meetings you can hold meetings with clients and and customers etc and your teams and we have a fitness studio because the biggest thing that that women seem to to uh to kind of defocus on when their lives get crazy is self-care and wellness so we added a fitness studio where we run classes every week um every day excuse me uh we have a beauty bar where you can get your hair done or a blowout uh, for convenience we have um we'll be opening up and actually in two weeks 
our rooftop. So everyone keeps going, oh, you're opening it just in time for winter. I'm like, well, it's a fully retractable glass roof um, with bathrooms, a full bar, et cetera. So it will be a nice addition to the space. And then really uh, just focused on the professional aspect, we have four buckets of programming. So we Mm -hmm. offer courses, classes, workshops, events, four to five every single week Mm -hmm. on professional and career development career changers and pivoters, because there are many, mm-hmm. uh, small business entrepreneurial and personal wellness. So everything that we do at Luminary is built on a foundation of content and programming so that you can, back to the original point, really invest in yourself and invest in others. We work with both individuals and companies. And that's a really big differentiator when you think of, I'm not just a traditional co-working space, I'm a community. We work with, again, individuals that want a place to go. They want a gathering space. They want a community to companies like J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, um, Hydrogen Struggles, Unilever that want to invest in their women in a different way. That's wonderful. Now, you know, it's interesting because when I was looking at your bio, I felt a definite connection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're roughly the same age. We're both Gen X women yeah. and we're both Italian-American yeah. and we're from <laughs> New Jersey. And I really loved hearing about, in when I read about you, about growing up in New Jersey. And I think Tell me a little bit about this, because your dad was with the FBI and your well, mom was a teacher, yes, right? Yes, yes. So I actually, my parents are from Ohio, and I was born in Ohio. I have a brother on both sides. And um, very early on when we were little, my father got transferred uh, to New York City. So imagine leaving a small town to move to New York City. Um, so we grew up in New Jersey. I mean, the bulk of my childhood spent there. And as uh you know, a Midwestern family coming to New Jersey, it w- wasn't easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you, to to move, we were in Monmouth County, Mattawa, New Jersey, and smack dab in a very multicultural area, and it was wonderful. Um, we were also very big into sports. My dad really, uh, I think, impressed upon us the need for to the team building aspect, becoming leaders, and becoming true competitors, which made us better, I think, in everything we did. So I loved growing up in New Jersey. I am I very Jersey proud. <laughs> My father worked in New York City for all those years, and my mom was a teacher um, for, you know, the better part of 40 years in in the New Jersey area. And I just think it made me who I am, part of who I am. I ended up leaving when I went to university and and, and have never gone back to live there. But it's where both of my brothers live, almost all of my nieces and nephews, of which there are nine, and my parents are still there. So it holds a special place for me in my heart. That's great. That's great. And, you know, it was interesting in hearing stories about your childhood that your dad always sort of encouraged you, particularly sports, just to get back off the ground if you fell and keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we kind of la- we celebrated his 75th birthday this weekend. And, uh, you know, my, bro- my older brother and I were doing toast. And I think, you know, my father was is 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 such uh, an important person in my life, uh, in addition to my mom, but he always just said, you have to keep taking risk and you have to prove yourself and you have to be better than the next guy. And why he said the next guy was I grew up uh, in that neighborhood in New Jersey with mainly 95% of my neighbors were boys. And so, you know, you got pushed down, you got to get your, get back up, brush yourself off and keep going, walk it off. And I think for my entire career, that idea of walking it off was you make a mistake, no big deal. Just get up and keep going. And by the way, learn from it. And so from that very young age as as playing sports all the way into school, 
when I went into my master's master's degree and certainly as I entered into my career in finance, which I had no background in, it, it was that same, my dad's voice that entire time. And now since I've launched Luminary, it was the same thing. That's great. Yeah. That's great. But you, you know, it's interesting because you went to University of Maryland, yeah. got out of Maryland and you were a poli-sci major and you became, you went into nonprofit world. I so did. you did not go to finance directly. No, I, <laughs> it, it's funny for any when this airs for any kids in college, if they're listening, take a business course. Um, <laughs> so I was a poli-sci major. I actually followed in my dad's footsteps. He was a po- political science major and then mastered in international relations. And I just liked it. I lived, Maryland was the great area to be in. I, I knew I could do multiple internships. But when I graduated after having done all those internships, there wasn't this call for me to go work on the Hill. And I, I just, that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to give back. And so I, I got involved with a nonprofit. I was doing business development for them. But it was right at the beginning of that internet boom. Mm-hmm. And I got recruited to an, a, a tech company. Mm-hmm. I was very young. And I thought, well, I can make more money. Right. And, and, and the CFO of that nonprofit actually encouraged me to do it. He said, you can come back to nonprofit. Go do this. Um, and at the same time, I was at this nonprofit. I mean, I, excuse me. At as, as the same time, I went to work for this tech company. I had the opportunity to go to China. I was kind of back and forth. And I decided I wanted to get my master's degree. I went at night oh, at wow. Georgetown. While you were working yeah, for the startup. Time. I couldn't afford to not to just quit and go to school. Also, I would have ended up with a ton of student debt. Right. <laughs> um, so I worked full time and then went to Georgetown. They had a fantastic program. And then when I graduated, I got recruited by a bank. So there were, I had never taken a business course, mm-hmm. not even my master's degree, by the way. I'd never taken a finance or accounting course. And I remember when they, when I met with this recruiter, I was like, what? I know nothing about banking. I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. And they said, we just love your profile and your background, and we'd love you to come try it out. Now, you and I are Gen Xers, right? Yes. So the, the men that we grew up with, they were used to us being their equals. And if you ask men of our generation, they're like, yeah, you guys were always there next to us. Exactly. Keeping up. So you go into the finance world. Were you expecting, and I say this as someone who's, who is in the finance right. world, were you expecting it to be so male-dominated or not as many women as it had been in p- previous parts of your career? You know, I think there was this, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because I, the, the way I had grown up was you just be better than the next person, whether that was a guy or a girl, uh, and you work really hard. So when I got into the finance, I, again, I don't think it dawned on me kind of early on. It was my the team that I had worked on. There were five guys and three of, and two women. And so I think I started to see it. But again, I was just trying to compete. I, I knew I had to work harder. I didn't have some of the, the skill sets that they had, the, te- the technical skill sets. It, it probably wasn't until I started progressing at a pretty rapid rate that I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that was there was a level of insecurity on my side, mm-hmm. but then also on the other side of these, probably these guys going, well, why is she getting these big roles, right? Um, but I I always say, you know, again, goes back to my dad. It, it doesn't matter who's sitting next to you or across the table. You just have to be better than that person. And if that takes working longer hours, if that takes, you know, doing more, then you just do it and you become you become better. 
And I think for me, it was I, I had to get comfortable too with the uncomfortable mm-hmm. and making mistakes because I didn't I wasn't a level playing field when I got into the into the banking world. A lot of them have come with MBAs. I did not have an MBA. I had a master's of international relations. Um, and so I just sort of said, well, I'm just going to work really hard. And and that really was the foundation for the next almost you know, 18, 19 years. And I mean, when you work in these banks, what most people don't realize is you're working in a team atmosphere. Yes, um, yes. So how did you start to learn a leadership style? Because managing people is incredibly hard. <laughs> and I have a feeling just in the brief time we spent together that you were very good at it. I loved managing people. But I will tell you, when my, when I, um, my first role in banking, I worked on this amazing team. And uh, n- no offense to that manager, he was not a good manager. Mm-hmm. So I learned really early on what not to do. <laughs> And, and I think that was a big learning uh, opportunity for me. But I also realized how much talent there was mm-hmm. in, the, in the world of finance, right? And you had so mm-hmm. many different backgrounds. And so how do you find that talent and develop it? So really early on, when I had this opportunity, um, I, got, I moved to Mexico City to wow. help launch a, a joint venture with the Mexican bank that we were working with. And I, and I had to run the project, right? So I had to start managing people very quickly and not necessarily people that I had worked with ever. They were right. part were from this Mexican bank, part were from the bank that I was working at. And uh, and so learning from the people around you, you knew who the strong managers were, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You knew who the strong leaders were and you knew that there was a difference between the two and then there was that one or two that were both a great manager and a great leader and that's who I wanted to emulate. Mm-hmm. So taking from all of that, the reality is to be honest, the majority of them, if not all, were men. Yeah. And so that's who I took from and then put my own, obviously over time, who I was and the authenticity of, of, of the, the manager and leader that I was. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these men, I think, became mentors to you as well as yes. women in the organization. Yeah. So tell me about some of the men who mentored you to encourage you. So there are five actually in the in the, particularly in the banking world. I had one that was came from that startup tech company who was our chief technology officer and who mentored me. In, in addition to when I left and, and joined the bank, giving me great guidance, like you can always go back. You've got all these great skills. Just build on them. The five or so male mentors that I had in banking were always the ones that saw something in me that I don't think I saw right off the bat, oh. and said stop, you know, second guessing yourself, Mm -hmm. and you're going to go and do this. Back to my dad, take the Mm -hmm. risk, right? So there was a reinforcement of Kate, you're going to do it. Right. And or here's what you have. Now let's build on it to make you better. And so back to that whole idea of developing talent, developing the pipeline, these five men were, I think, incredible at looking into the pipeline and developing that. Men and women, right? right? right, Yeah. Uh, And so that became sort of what I wanted to do. And that's actually why I started Luminary, right? Right. To to, to reinvest and focus on the pipeline in, in small to large companies. But those mentors, and some of them became sponsors, right, in different part of my career, are still who I'm in touch with and hugely impactful on even what I'm doing today. Now, how about women? Because there are a few women in, fewer women in finance, but you had some key women who, 
who helped you? Yeah, I think I think I think there were. I think because you had fewer to choose from, mm-hmm. but we had some key women. I think particularly at J.P. Morgan, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jamie Diamond has done just such a great job of developing them, developing the bench uh, and the pipeline of of who's out there. So definitely the a lot, number of the women, and not just by the way, senior women, peers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think people forget about that, right? You can have a senior mentor, you can have a senior sponsor, but don't underestimate the power of peer mentorship. I think that's that's very true. And so, especially when I was at, I spent seven years in London at J.P. Morgan, there were a group of women that sort of got together and created a women's MD forum. So we were all sort of same level, mm-hmm. different, doing different jobs. And having that as someone, a group to rely on, and mm-hmm. also, by the way, to trade talent. Right. To say, yeah. by the way, if you can't hire this person, what about what about this role? And maybe you have a job and particularly for women. So I think that really started developing my thirst for focusing on women and certainly the diversity and inclusion aspect of my job, in addition to running the businesses that I did. Yeah, and I mean, and your career took off. I mean, you've had a number of big jobs. Yes. And yes. <laughs> I mean, when you have those jobs, right? I mean, because people probably were looking at you like she has it all. How satisfying were them? I mean, were you satisfied or were you always looking up the hill at what was what was coming? You know, I think, of course, you're always looking ahead. That's Mm -hmm. especially when you're a competitor. That's what you're trained to do. Okay, what's Mm -hmm. the next goal? But I I do think that in that middle point, as I started to accelerate good advice from my mentors back Mm -hmm. to those mentors, like, take your time really develop these skills so that you're again you're building on those mm-hmm. when you're ready those those roles will come don't jump too soon and also don't jump just because of the money yeah. Uh, yeah because you have to look at the size of the role and the opportunity and your influence and so um for me as i accelerated to your point i think rather quickly for someone that didn't have this background i utilized every single thing that i was building on right mm-hmm. so again people management the hustle right, hard right. work uh you know teamwork teamwork leadership and i'm a really great connector mm-hmm. i really love connecting and that's why i think i loved being in front of clients so much connecting them for obviously what we were selling but then just to different parts of the organization and when you have to navigate large companies like a JP Morgan, a Bank of America, HSBC, that becomes a critical mm-hmm. skill. It's a huge right? skill. And, but doing it with authenticity mm-hmm. and being real and honesty. I, you know, when I got to, um, when I took my one of the roles at HSBC, I was very honest with clients when I didn't think the something we were selling was the right fit. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, no, let's let's give that business to someone else or another bank and right. let's take something else. And I remember when I first started doing that, a lot of my team would look at me like, you just gave away business. I said, no, I didn't give away business. We don't want that business. Right. And a better a bank is, you know, somewhere else might be better ser- better place to serve them. Let's get the, the business that we want. And I think clients really appreciate the honesty. Yeah. And then your people see that too, right? You absolutely are there to make money and and to keep going further. But for me, it was, I needed to build that reputation on something honest and transparent. So, and and I think you've been so successful. And then, you know, if you think about it, if you sort of had a come to Jesus moment, and it was about two years ago right now, because the luminary 
is only a year old yes. right now. This is yeah. brand new to some degree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what what happened that took you off that path? Because you traveled the world, ran big businesses. Clearly, you were going to keep going up. Why did you stop and pause? So that one of my mentors, uh, who was both a mentor and a sponsor back to being a mentor now that I'm out of the, out of the banking world, um, just kind of started asking me questions when I was thinking about my next move and he said do you really just want to stay or go to a big bank and and do the same job because you thrive off of being challenged you know back to your question around did you just keep looking up no I I, if I was challenged I was happy obviously always looking at where the next milestones um, and if I could you know keep building on the on the business and the skills but uh, he he really challenged me and said I know you and he does he's known me for more than 10 years now and start really being self-critical of what you're doing today and what you want to do, what's going to fulfill Mm -hmm. you. At the same time, I had gone through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, I also, you know, in that kind of two year, I found out I couldn't have kids. And so there were all of these things kind Mm -hmm. of swirling in my brain. And, And back to my dad, he had told me early on in my life, start saving money for college educations. I was fortunate to have my parents Mm -hmm. pay for my, my undergraduate. So I had all this money and my mentor knew that because we had become friends too. And he said, you have all this money, take some time off and figure it out. And I just sort of rolled my eyes and walked out. And then I couldn't stop thinking of what he said. Like, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? I loved what I did, but I really wanted to have a bigger impact in where women were in finance and and the talent pipeline and, and development of them. And then when I sort of picked my head up, it wasn't just finance. It was all industries that really needed that lifeline to to help women as they're making that next step, as they're taking that next decision. And so two months later, I wrote a business plan in March of 2018. For I didn't know that's what I was doing. And were you still working at the time? Or no. did you? So you. I severed. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, because that's, I mean, we look back now in retrospect, you're like, oh, of course, the stars align. But that moment must have been frightening. It was. And I will say in January of 2018, February, when I was when I'd made the decision of uh, I'm done for banking for now. Right. I always say for now, never say never. Um, it was really hard. I I I thought, what did I what did I do? Why am I doing this? I went from a phenomenal career and getting calls from lots of other banks to is this really I just. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And for someone that for the better part of 22 years is just, you know, go, 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 go. Right. It's a shock to the system. Completely. Because your identity is defined by it. And then you wake up in the morning and you're, that was who it. are you? And I think that was my, my that was that self-reflection. So my identity was, I'm a banker. Mm-hmm. And my mentor said to me, that's not what you ever set out your career to do. Right. You know, I didn't go to college to become an investment banker. I can't. I, I went to do change the world, right. and so I'm just doing it 22 years later in a different way um, than when I graduated from Maryland. And uh, it was. It, it's still. People ask me all the time, "You must never look back. You must be so happy you're not in banking." And I'm very honest. First of all, I look back every single day. It's mm-hmm. a hard journey to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but. I look back because I had a great career and I didn't dislike banking. I just wanted to do something different 
to have a bigger and broader impact than what I was having in the one banks, the one bank that at those times I was working for. So what was the the idea of the luminary? Was it something that came upon you suddenly? Was it had it always sort of been there or did you did you just wander the city trying to figure out <laughs> what am I doing? Where is this idea? No, I think it was a culmination, right? You have so many companies and I think all, all very good intention and some of them doing phenomenal things have women's groups. Mm-hmm. And then you have so many women's events elsewhere. And I never really got to take part of a lot of those because I was always traveling for my job, but I did run our women's groups and I was very in- involved at HSBC and JP Morgan. But you see the same women. Right. And there's lack of cross-pollination of information and ideas. And, and and they're done on a volunteer basis. And they have very little budgets. And so there was that component coupled with where do women physically go in mm-hmm. New York City to actually bring communities together right. and learn from each other and get new opportunities and drive more business. And there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't outside of a co-working space or a social club mm-hmm. that you have to apply to be part right. of, right? And that was something that I didn't want. And so I left a women's event um, at, at the last week of February that was great. And I thought, wow, there's something here because these were women that were all different backgrounds. They were It was more philanthropic. And I came home and I called my boyfriend at the time he's still my boyfriend and uh, (laughs) he's like you're gibbering like you're like on a he's like write everything down Mm -hmm. and I wrote it all down and that was the business plan wow do you ever go back and relook at it oh all the time were you even close to what it's turned into I will tell you outside of probably one part it's not changed wow I think because I I know after you know 20 plus years of experience in corporate America, small and large mm-hmm. companies, that I have I have a lot of credibility and background to, to build this for what women need today. Mm-hmm. And then also take in a ton of feedback and, and continue to build on what else we need. So one of the things that strikes me is everything you've done from when you were a little girl mm-hmm. has led to this moment. Yes. How important is having experience? <laughs> I and I think it cannot be underestimated the amount of experience that we gain as we build our careers um, to leverage and then start a business. And it doesn't have to be just starting a business. For me, understanding the complexities of navigating large and small organizations, what that means, how to develop talent, how to create a pipeline, how to invest in them for what we're trying to do at Luminary, That's that's been I couldn't do it if I was 30 years old. There's just no way. I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to understand what I know today. And and that, I think, has, you know, Mindy Grossman, we had a few months ago speak. And, you know, she's got 40-plus year career. And it was the same. It's like there's something to be said about a, a certain level of experience, particularly in what I'm trying to do at Luminary. I think that's very true. And what's interesting is I think younger women have been drawn to your experience because as you yes. walk through the luminary, first of all, there's women of all ages here. Yeah. But I think younger women were like, we're excited about this. Yeah. And the thing is, is that they're all looking. You think you remember back, whether it was a man or a woman, you're always looking for guidance. Right. Mm-hmm. And so early on in your career, mid part of your career, you want other advice. And so it's not just Kate anymore mm-hmm. sitting at her desk at, at an HSBC or a JP Morgan. It's now Kate times 500 
that says, I'm willing to be that mentor. I'm willing to give advice. I'm willing to receive feedback too. So this whole idea of reverse mentoring as well. We can learn a lot from the younger generation. Well, and also I think when you're sitting here, you are open. Open to having people talk to you. Yeah, and we, the, the, the staff and the community, I think, create that environment. It's so welcoming and open that it doesn't matter. You leave your ego at the door. You walk in this space, and it's like, boom, I know this is where I'm meant to be. And whether you're here for an event, a workshop, or you're a member here that comes every day or once a month, you, I hope that you feel that you're walking away with value and you've made a new connection, a new opportunity, a new role, something, and that back to this whole idea that we're not just a co-working space, we're a real community Mm -hmm. investing in ourselves. That's the fundamental difference for us. And I love that. And on that moment, we're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back and hear more about how Kate is actually running the business after this commercial. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Wealth Intersection with Megan Gorman. If you have a question or comment about the program, your money, or what it can do for you, please send an email to megan at thewealthintersection.com. That's M-E-G-A-N at thewealthintersection.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to The Wealth Intersection. I'm Megan Gorman, and I'm here with Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of The Luminary. So, Kate, one of the things that I have found interesting in learning about you is when you came up with your business plan, there's sort of always a fork in the road. And a lot of people go down the fork, the road of, I'm going to go get funding. I'm going to use someone else's money to create my vision. And what I thought was striking about your story is you didn't do that. No. And and by the way, out of any founder you would have probably had a much easier path raising money because you, you sort of know how the, how the game works. Right, right. So, so give me some insight into that decision. So I think the benefit that I had was I, I, I did come from the, the finance world and I had dealt with lots of different companies of all sizes. So I knew the, the, the goods and the bads of taking money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also knew that I was creating something that I wanted to own. Mm-hmm. And it was important for me as I built that for the women that I wanted to serve, that uh, that that idea, that mission didn't change. And so, I, I as I mentioned earlier, I didn't I wasn't able to have children, and so I had saved all this money for college educations that mm-hmm. I never will have to pay for. And so I said, okay, well I've got this saved. Um, what about if I use that? And let's see. So created the PNL and and realized that I could do it on my own if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people as I socialized the business were like, don't do it, huge risk. And then there were a lot of people that didn't understand why I wouldn't go raise. And and again, not everybody can sell fun. So and there's a lot of opportunity out there for more women to get access to capital. Mm-hmm. But for me to retain control of the idea and the business and build what I think we need in this world to develop the pipeline and to advance women and retain women in the workforce, I didn't want someone telling me that I needed to make a different choice. Plus, mm-hmm. I had a boss for 22 years. Right. 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 I mean, I was ready to lead. I was leading these big businesses at these companies, and they gave me all these great tools uh, to do that. But I wanted to do something for the community we were building, and I wanted to be able to take feedback. I knew this when I wrote the business plan, to be able to be nimble and move quickly mm-hmm. if we wanted to pivot or if we wanted mm-hmm. to change or we wanted to adapt. And I think as someone who worked for very large organizations for the better part of 18 years, you couldn't do that, right? Right. right. There's, a, there's, for lots of reasons, right? But I, this is something that I was really passionate about and I'm wanting to build for our members. I think, you know, People have criticized me for saying this, but I will say it. You know, I wanted to maximize the return for our members who I consider an investor because Mm -hmm. they buy a membership versus maximizing the return for an investor. And by the way, if and when I expand, that will be my call. Right. 
not someone else telling me I need to grow faster. I think there's a, there's this, and I wrote an article re- recently about it, there's this sexiness about people fundraising. And I think it's wonderful to be able to raise money to build your business. For me, that was not the path. Um, there's also a notion that, oh, you couldn't raise, so you didn't. Um, I don't think I would have had a problem given the business model, but I made that decision and I've never veered from it. There is a lot. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of posturing and there's a lot of people insert their opinions on your choices. And when you're out there vulnerable, because launching a business and putting yourself out there, you are vulnerable. And particularly if it's your money in it. Absolutely. And, And I think you have this tremendous responsibility to deliver when it's yours mm-hmm. right you you do have that as well when you have investor dollar right you've got to deliver either way but there's this grow at any cost mindset mm-hmm. and we've seen it right. right we're seeing it today with lot all of the companies that you're reading about <laughs> uh, and yeah. that is not that is not, I wanted to I want a profitable business mm-hmm. I want a sustainable business and I want to grow to create a legacy versus I have an exit plan in a few years and I want to sell this I'm not I didn't build this at 44 just, just to, to, to just it. to do it I'm yeah. doing this because it's needed mm-hmm. I want to make an impact I want it to make a difference and I want to grow it to where we're making a difference in multiple cities, not just here in New York and with the companies that we work with. So it's interesting. We talked a lot about your dad, Mm -hmm. but in reading about you, this was very stressful for your mom. Right? <laughs> she yes. she was nervous. Yes. And, and you've said she's probably still nervous. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Because I mean, when you launch and you're a founder and you're trying to create a vision, when someone who cares so deeply for you, probably more than anyone, your mother is saying, is this a good idea? That's got to be, you know, wake you up at night. I think there's two. One, I, you know, you talk to your, I talk to my dad whenever I call my mom, right? I, I normally don't just call my dad. No offense, dad, but I love my dad. But my mom has been, <laughs> since I went to college, someone that I talk to almost every single day of my life, right? And so she knows every single part of me mm-hmm. and she'll know when I'm down, when I'm up. And so going through this roller coaster, I think for her was, I don't like to see my daughter on the down part, Mm -hmm. not the down where you're raising your hands, screaming and yelling, the down when you're like, oh my God, what did I do? When I first told her that I was going to do this, she, I don't think she understood. She she didn't understand what, what a co-working space was. She didn't understand the clubs. That's just not part of what she would know. And I took her out to San Francisco to see my uncle and uh, there was a, a wonderful uh, community out there called the Hivery in Mill Valley and so I took her there and we walked out and she said now I know what you're doing and and not that the Hivery is luminary but she understood I think then what I what my concept was mm-hmm. and helped her put it into into I think practice a little it bit gave her a visual yeah and and then I think as we started to build luminary she was just like whoa but she also had I don't know if it's the benefit or, yeah, I called her every day. And so the days when I was feeling crappy, the days when I was feeling great, Mm -hmm. uh, she got it. And so, and I couldn't pay her, right? So (laughs) I I always say, mom, you were the therapist. You didn't know that that, that I couldn't pay because I took it all the money invested in Luminary. But I think for her also, she, she's, she's the mom that she will never give advice unless you ask her. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm, you know, it's great because you're not just taking information. She really listens. And I think she can make un, unbiased decisions. And I know that's hard to say because she is my mom, but she'll tell me when she thinks that I'm, you know, 
crying over nothing or to just get back up. I think she's taken my dad's advice too to tell me, you know, you can do this. You made a decision and you're doing it. And now figure out a way to get it done. And uh, she's still that person I call almost every day. And some of that's to tell her great news and some of that's to talk about my stress. But she she is she's my best friend. She's my mom. She's my role model. And you know, she, just like my dad equally instilled upon me. And I think both of my brothers that yes, you work hard, you do better, but you, you're a good person. Yeah. And she's a wonderful person. Both my parents are, but for me that back to being real and authentic and doing the right thing and, and building something that can have a legacy, a lasting impact. All of that is, is part of luminary and because of her. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's it's interesting because one of the things that I think we don't talk a lot about as women is when we're starting businesses or going out there and taking risk. You know, if you think about it, there's there's two important decisions you make in life, right? What you do yeah. and who you spend your life with. And what I found interesting in your story is look, I also had an early marriage that didn't work. And you're with your boyfriend, you know, how helpful is it to have a supportive partner? Because I think this is something that's important that we don't really get in talk about in general. So I don't have a co-founder, right? So there's no one really for me to, I mean, I, my COO, Erica Lerner is un, incredible. She's been with me since, um, since very early on. And so she, without being a, a co-founder, she's as much as, as I could have. And she's incredible. But um, my boyfriend, um, there's no way I could do this without him. He listens uh, he tells me to, you know, walk it off when he needs to. But he really has been an incredible emotional support, and also someone to bounce the ideas off. That maybe when I second guess myself, or almost every day, why did I do this? <laughs> and he'll give me the reasons why I did this. Right. Not anything else other than the reasons why I'm doing this today and why I've made this decision. And remember, Kate, this is why you did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also believes in me. And I think he's known, you know, we, we've, we've been together for a few years, but he's known me for much longer. And I think he also knows the kind of person that I am. Mm-hmm. Both as a leader, as a manager, as a worker, but then as a human and we need that. I couldn't do it without him. You know, you have these support networks. And if people say they don't have them, I don't believe it. You have to have something to, whether you vent to them, whether they just give you that that emotional support to keep going every day. Um, I couldn't do it without him. I really couldn't. Yeah, I think supportive partners is so key. And I think even Sheryl Sandberg writes about it in her book. Yes, uh, leaning absolutely. in, lean in, that it's about having not just allies, male and female, but having a supportive partner. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we when you're a when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a founder, it's different than when you're in a big company because you, you have all those coworkers mm-hmm. to kind of lean on and, yeah. and the goods and the bads. It's very lonely. Um when you're when you're an entrepreneur and the roller coaster is so great that having that and I will tell you when I get into that really difficult funk of it's not going to work or and I'm very vocal <laughs> about that I, I it's you know every day isn't great he is he is he and, and probably my mom and dad are the biggest sort of like you know it's working right you just are relentless just like you were in your former career and I think that keeps me going too it's like you can never um, I'm a fast mover, so I want to keep going fast. And uh, 
I, I often have to listen to him say, Kate, you're 10 months old. Right. You right. know, or when I was six months old or three months old, look at what you're accomplishing. Look at what your members are getting out of Luminary. Look at the feedback you're getting. And for me, outside of the profitability and expansion, every day when I hear someone tell me what they're getting out of being part of our community, it makes it all worthwhile. So he reiterates that quite a bit. So as we come upon the one-year anniversary, because this opened what day in November? Uh, our soft launch was November 14th, okay. and then our first full month was January of this year, so 10 months ago. Yeah. Okay. So what has been the biggest surprise? <laughs> How much toilet paper women use. <laughs> I love it. I love that that's the takeaway. <laughs> uh, Seriously, honestly, is, is, it, is it, it that type of stuff? It is that type of stuff. I'm actually helping. Uh, one of our members is actually creating a company that's not the same as Luminary, but they're creating a, uh, they're creating a, a club, and uh, and I'm helping her, and she was with her and her uh, an advisor, and they were asking me all these questions, and I said, listen, don't underestimate the toilet paper usage. And they were like, what? I was like, honestly, it's unbelievable. But little things like that that you yeah. do not plan for. No. You, you have no idea. So you, there was no real line in the P&L projection. There was, but it was like, <laughs> you know, you're just taking a, you know, stab in the dark. Um, I, and I say that in jest, but it, it's, it's actually yeah. true. The other thing is, um, you know, I'd hired for bankers for my career, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm not hiring bankers in these roles, yeah. right? And I think what I've been so impressed by is the commitment to the mission of what we're trying to do. It's not just a job. From everyone, from my COO to my chief impact officer, down to our community managers, is that they believe it's not just a job, but I really didn't know who I was hiring for. Right. And so I had to really leverage my network and ask friends that were in kinds of jobs, in marketing or in 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 learning and leadership development to say, can you help me and interview people? And no, none of my friends said no. And so I ended up having, an I have a, a wonderful, intelligent, purposeful, intentional staff that, um, again, if you had asked me 18 months ago who I was hiring for, this would not be who I thought. Well, and also when you're putting together these business plans, this idea of culture, right? Yes. I mean, you and I have both worked at big firms and the culture's there when you show up and then all of a sudden you're creating, you're creating culture and creating culture is hard. It's really hard. And then it's hard to sustain it because when things are a startup, you can have that coziness. Yes. But things move fast. Things move fast. You're running a million miles an hour. Sometimes you forget that, right? As, a, as, the, as the founder, as the, the leader, you forget that, right? Because you're just trying to get stuff done. And a lot of times you feel like you're underwater and you have to be brought back to that. I have, I'm fortunate that my staff will bring me back to that, mm-hmm. right? I think they also know when there's a level of stress um, to break that down with me, which mm-hmm. is, which again is, which is great for being such a, a new business. But I think that was a big surprise for me because you just, you go to who you think to hire, right? right. And I know that was not going to be who right. <laughs> Maybe eventually. Um, and I think, you know, I'm amazed. I think I'm much more surprised at how successful we've been working with companies mm. than I originally had thought in my business plan, which shows me there is such a deep need working with organizations and companies on how they can develop their pipeline of women. I'm really, you know, tired of the she's not re- ready yet. Yeah. Oh, there's not enough women in the in the pipeline. No, no, they're there. Yeah. You have to find them and invest in them and develop them. Promote them earlier and often 
and oh, by the way, promote them on potential, not just performance. And right. so for me, that's been such a a surprise in that companies are really realizing that and they want to do more. So in some degree, there's you know, been all the, the stories out in the Wall Street Journal that mm-hmm. the challenge for women breaking the glass ceiling is not getting them in the boardroom. It's what they call the broken first rung, right? right? So to some degree, what you're describing and what you're doing here is creating that that rung to just push them up. That's the reason I created it, That's, right? So I didn't create Luminary to be a, a co-working space and to have a club for women. I created it so that we can retain and advance women in the workforce, no matter what size company you're in, uh, and then to provide the tools necessary for you to develop. And not everybody wants to be or will be the CEO right. of a company. And not and everybody that, wants no, that No, and that's all. okay. And we also have to stop saying that every woman has to be in the boardroom um they don't nor do men right so what let's let's let take a little bit of pressure off of us Mm -hmm. and say okay what do you want and so that first rung that second rung i think there's the motherhood penalty there are all of these things that are plaguing us but if the companies again small medium large can focus on what does that woman add where's her value how do we develop the skills that she may not have yet that's what we're trying to do with the level of programming and content that we deliver Mm -hmm. and it on the individual side, it puts you in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what I, the class I want to take or the workshop I want to take. And then on the company side, it says, I'm investing in you in a different way. I can't give everyone in my company at the big banks or the big consulting firms or whoever it is, all of you can't go to a leadership development program. There's just not mm-hmm. a budget or time to do that. But here, I'm going to invest in a corporate membership at Luminary. Mm-hmm. Now you go pick the courses and workshops and events that you want to participate in. So you put that, you you kind of are paying for the car, right. but they're in the driver's seat. And what are the programs? Like explain, you know, if I'm 30 or 40 or 50 and I join the Luminary, what should I be expecting? Is there a variety of different ways you're addressing the members? Yes. So we have a weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and it goes through everything that's happening for the next two weeks in the space. It's always available online and that's everything from... Um, our workshops, our small workshops that are very intimate, uh, which we call our illumination sessions, which can be anything from, you know, how to become an effective people manager to how to read and write a PNL, how to build a business. Uh, and do you get a lot of members coming to these? Oh, they're, we are at capacity, you know, mainly for the workshops and, and our events. And mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you the reason I think, yes, I think we deliver high, the, the highest quality programming. 70% of our programming is member led. Mm. And so you think about community reinvesting in itself, that's exactly what we're doing. So we have these incredible women that are saying, oh, you know, I know PR or I know social media mm. or I know finance or I know tax. Let me come and do a workshop. Even that that's not their day-to-day job. Right. Or we have coaches that say, let me come and run a workshop on X or transformational leadership. Why would I go out on the street and get someone when I can have someone that's already invested in this community that understands and then that access is right there for mm-hmm. those people or those women that take a, a workshop and then the next day they see that woman in the space and say, you know what, let's grab a coffee. Right. And you or want, a glass of or wine. Or a glass of wine. <laughs> um, or, you know, new clients, right? We've had so many members that have, have 
gotten new clients out of these workshops or they hear about a workshop they may not be a luminary member but they see it on social or they're on our on our uh, our handle be a luminary or our website and and then they reach out to these members and say oh what do you do and then they become new clients of theirs so and companies we really love when the corporate that we work with or organizations come in and also do thought leadership. So Hydrogen Struggles, which is a big search firm, they've done amazing programming with us for our members. Um, they'll do, uh, I think it's in two weeks, we have one around um, shoots and ladders for women okay. in corporate, right? How do men have more ladders, women have more shoots? Yeah. How do you navigate that? Um, we'll have an event with them in, uh, in later November on women on boards and how to position yourself to get on a board. So there's lots of diversity of programming is so great. And it really gets at women of all levels and backgrounds and industries. And that's, I think, we're not just focused on C-level. We're not just focused on creatives or entrepreneurs. We're bringing all of that in one space together. And the applicability of so many of things that we deliver on the programming side it's unbelievable, right? Our speaker series, you can come and see Sandra Campos, who's the CEO of DVF. She's not an entrepreneur. She has been an entrepreneur, but she's talking about how she's rebuilding this business at DVF. If you're sitting in the audience, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be a corporate lawyer, you could be a teacher. It's still, those lessons are still applicable. Right, right. Now I have an interesting question for you because there are other clubs or organizations that that don't allow men. I want to understand what role do men play in the luminary? Can they come here? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, So from the very beginning, from that first business plan, uh, you know, again, someone who spent many, many years working with men and, and they're not all bad. They're actually pretty great. And I think we need them. We need them to be part of the conversation. We need them to help us in that pipeline Mm -hmm. development. They're still the majority of people paying our paychecks Mm -hmm. in these big companies as well. They're huge influencers in our career. So they can be members here. They can come in. Most of our programming is absolutely geared towards women and, and women identified. But every single day you see men in our space. And that's really important for me as we begin to hopefully change the dynamic in the workforce, Mm -hmm. we can't push them away. They have to feel part of this and we have to work together to create the lasting change that we're all asking for. Yeah. No, I think that men are allies and, and particularly, you know, when you look at like our generation, they're so used to us being right next to them. Absolutely. And I think they want to, to help. They really truly do. I think they, uh, some Sometimes they just need the tools and sometimes a bit more education around what can they do better? Um, what do they need to do within their own cult company cultures if, if, they're, if they're, you know, running, working and leading in, in a company? And I, again, if we keep excluding people, mm-hmm. we're really defeating the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. And so from the very beginning, it's always been about bringing people together. And that's why we don't have an, an application process either to join Luminary because that doesn't create community in my mind. Yeah, it's right out there on the web, right. how to join, join how, what the memberships are. Right. So as we're sort of in the last few minutes of our discussion, when I, if you and I were to go out, I mean, you're a year old, mm-hmm. you probably feel like it's been 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Five, ten years from now, where do you see the luminary? Are we going to see them all over the country? Or is this, where do you want this to go? So as long as we're creating value and impact for the communities that we're in, mm-hmm. then we'll expand. And as long as we're also creating that impact 
and difference in the companies that we work with. You know, I recently has been telling people because they've been asking where else. And I said, well, there will only ever be one in New York mm-hmm. because that's the community. Yep. I don't want to dilute that. Yep. People come to the community. It's like these old gathering places. Back back in the day, it was churches and the Elks Lodge and the Lions right. Club, right? <laughs> um, so bringing that. So when and when we expand, it'll be if we are in a city, it'll be the only luminary um, because that's where you go to meet and be with your your people. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, that's absolutely what we're looking at for 2020 and beyond. And uh, my view is we're success. Yes, when we're when you know as if we run a sustainable and profitable company, but it's really that member growth and what women are getting out of that and the value. As long as we continue to hear that, yep, then we'll continue to grow. Now, one of the things is you know because I do specialize in personal finance. One of the things that I have found most interesting in your story is there's certain themes. You know, your parents saved for college. Mm-hmm. You worked to get through grad school. It sounds like you were saving yes. at times, even for things that might not have came into fruition, but you saved a lot. And financially, you were able to be very savvy with money. Yeah. What's your advice for women in money in trying to go forward like you did? Because I think you took a lot of the best steps to, to put yourself on solid, solid ground. First of all, I would say get a financial advisor earlier in your career, even if you don't think you have enough money to do it. Uh, any little bit can help and you need someone to kind of to guide you doesn't mean you have to pay for them by the Mm way Um, I did not have that right I saved which was Mm -hmm. great I probably could have had a bigger return if I had used a financial advisor earlier on in my career so I would say that's a lesson learned but don't be afraid to to take a little risk Mm -hmm. Um, and Saving for a rainy day, as you probably hear from your parents, is really important because you never know. I mean, no one, you know, when the financial crisis happened, right, it was about what did you have in your bank account and it could you sustain if you were to lose your job, things like that. Um, And I think it's the same now for me. You know, my dad, uh, a funny story really quick. So when we were growing up, uh, both sides of my my grandparents, my grand, both grandfathers would would always give out money Mm -hmm. at Christmas. And you would hold the, whether it was a, you know, whatever the bill was, you would hold it for literally three seconds before it was ripped out of your hands. (laughs) And my dad would be like, that's going in your college savings fund. And you were like, okay, because you didn't care, right? right? You didn't, you didn't have it long enough to spend it. So invest in your 401k as much as you can maximize what you can in your 401k. If they have that set up an IRA, do that now because it will be hugely important no matter what you do. No, it's it's very true. Kate, it's been so amazing having you on the show. Tell everybody where they can learn about the Luminary and you. Sure. Uh, our our Instagram handle uh, is at be a luminary. Uh, call to action, be a luminary. And uh, we're at luminary-nyc.com. And you can find me at Kate Luzio, C-A-T-E-L-U-Z-I-O for all of my social. And if people are curious, they can come down and see. Absolutely. If you'd like to come down to Luminary, take a free day pass. Just say you heard me on this podcast and we'd be happy to have you come in for a day. Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining. And I'm Megan Gorman. You can find me at Wealth Intersect on Twitter and at The Wealth Intersection on Instagram. Until then. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Wealth Intersection. 
Megan Gorman will be back with another program next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. 